Good morning. Welcome to Emmett Audio, episode 212. <clears throat> so, this episode I want to talk about... <clears throat> I want to compile all of the tips and tricks that I've learned over the last 15 years of selling at farmer's markets, both as a vegetable farmer and then selling at fall festival um, for our Christmas tree farm and, and going to markets with my spoons. Of all the things that I think will help you if you're trying to sell your spoons at a market in person um, this summer. This is information that's both detailed quite broadly in my book and also some of it has been put forward in previous episodes, but they were quite early episodes. So I thought I'd gather everything here today with the idea that it might help you if you are taking your first steps into selling your spoons in person at events. So the first thing I would say is there's no point in having a business name especially, I mean, I don't think there's any point in having a business name if you're just selling spoons, but especially if you think that you need a business name in order to sell them at a market. Because what you really want is for people at a market to develop a personal relationship with you. They, you want them to know you by your name. And I don't mean, you know, Tom's spoons. You want them to know you by your first and last name. So if you had a sign, and that's a big if, I don't think you need a sign, um, it would, like, for instance, if I had a sign, it would just say Emmett Van Dreisch, and maybe at the bottom it would say Wooden Spoons. Maybe. But I also don't really need it to say Wooden Spoons because it's going to be obvious what I have. <clears throat> and I think people think that they need the business name for people to remember, but really all you're doing is adding a layer of stuff that people... You're adding an extraneous layer of information that you're asking people to remember. And that's not helpful for sales. And what you really want them to remember is your first name. Because that's going to start developing the personal relationship that leads to sales and repeat sales. Um, the next thing I would say is to think about how much of your goods you're actually going to present at any given time. I think it's tempting, and I know I certainly tried this when I was starting out selling and was selling in person, to just put everything you have out on the table. But I would argue that this doesn't work particularly well. It works great if you're selling produce, which is generally low cost per item. You know, a two to four dollar head of lettuce, the, the, the old saying, pile it high and watch it fly, really does um, hold water in that with produce, if you have large, beautiful mounds of produce, it attracts people to your table because you're seen as having the best selection and quality of stuff. Rightly or wrongly, that's much more appealing to see a big pile of produce than it is to see a small little pile of produce. With something that is at a higher price point, like spoons, <clears throat> I think it is much more effective to only put out a little of your stuff at a time. Ironically, the best sales I have at markets are when I put out maybe four or five pieces. And as people buy them, I have a stash and I put out more. But by having a very small table and four or five pieces, 
it gives the impression that this is a limited item and which therefore adds credence to the price point that I'm asking for. If you put out 20, 30 spoons all at a relatively high price point, it's going to create this unconscious pressure on people that they should buy from you because you have all of this work that needs to be sold. And people don't like feeling that pressure. Um, and what I found is that people will sometimes even just avoid engaging with the work because it feels overwhelming. Not overwhelming in that they have too many choices, but overwhelming in terms of their relationship with you. That it, there's too much desire on your part to make money for them to want to engage with it because they will feel too much pressure to buy something in order to support that desire of yours. It's this very counterintuitive thing. So what I have found <clears throat> is that it's best to um, put out only a few pieces of work. The, the setup that I found worked really the best was to have a small table, much smaller than the four by eight foot table that I use for fall festival when I'm selling lots of garlic. It just had a little, like one of the tables that's next to my carving stump. And I set up a little display, had a couple of pieces lying out on it, and I was carving next to it. So, you know, there was this attraction. I don't think I even had my name or anything, but there was this attraction to come over to me. Um, and, uh, and I was keeping busy. So that's another important thing to not, you need to be able to stop and talk to people. You need to not be so engaged that they feel like they can't talk to you, but you need to be busy doing something else. So either that's working on spoons or it's drinking a cup of coffee or having a conversation with someone else. People feel most comfortable engaging with your work when your attention is elsewhere. Um, and therefore it's, you're not like watching them like a hawk while they handle your stuff. Um, so it's important to have some pretext that will allow you to not engage with them so that they can feel comfortable engaging with your work. Now, let's talk about how you present your spoons. When I was starting out, I was really drawn to the idea of having a spoon rack and having all my work either on a spoon rack or lined up really neatly. And I found that that didn't work. People are hesitant to take something off of a spoon rack. I don't know why. And likewise, if things are neatly lined up in a row, they don't want to touch them because they see that they're neatly lined up in a row. What I have found works best, and this is really ironic, is to jumble everything up in a very loose pile. And what you get is the people who, people feel comfortable picking that stuff up and handling it because it's obviously they're not going to be messing things up. Some people are going to want to pick it up because they're going to feel the compulsive need to tidy it. And that's good too. You want people to be handling your work. And then when they leave, I mess it up again. <laughs> now let's talk about how you present your prices. Let's talk about prices in general. I would argue, A, when you're selling in person at an event, it is important to have low enough prices that it matches what the culture there in the moment thinks your prices should be. So if you're selling at an art event, maybe you'd sell for higher prices. Like if you're selling at like a craft fair, maybe sell for higher prices. If you're selling at a farmer's market, be willing to sell for lower prices because people coming to a farmer's market are paying 
three dollars a head for lettuce, two fifty for a bunch of chard. They don't want a spring for a thirty-five dollar spoon. But if you're willing to sell your spoon for twenty bucks, they might, depending on what it is. Um, also, bear in mind that people at a farmer's market are definitely people who are interested in cooking. So, if you're selling cooking spoons, you're going to do much better than if all you have is eating spoons. Because the crowd is, are people who are, by definition, interested in cooking for themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there at the farmer's market. Dogs, come here! Yo, come! Willa, come here! Come here! Sit! No, sit! Hold on, we got a truck coming by. Hold on. Okay, good dog. Come on. Um, so, as far as price point, my argument would be keep it as low as possible. If possible, I would say have one price point for everything. Just one. That way people who are... Willa, no. Good girl. That way, people who are thinking about buying, all they have to do is rationalize in their head, I would be willing to spend 20 bucks on a spoon. And then the question becomes, which of these do I want? Which is a much more powerful question in terms of you getting a sale than them having to decide, is this particular spoon worth the, whatever, $28 that it has in the price tag? And them having to look at each spoon to figure out what, it, what you're asking for it. Um, psychologically, that's much harder to get a sale that way. But if there's a big sign on the table that just says, all spoons, 20 bucks, then if they're drawn to your work, the question they're asking themselves, consciously or not, is, which of these do I want? That seems like a reasonable price. And you're much more likely to get sales of even a couple of items that way, because they're asking themselves a different question, because of how you framed it. So... This gets to the question of how do you present your prices? And I think you already guessed where I've uh, found myself leaning towards, which is if you put a price tag on each spoon, people will have to pick up each spoon to look at the price tag. Even if you tie a business card around each spoon, you're cluttering the sense of the spoons as themselves. You might think you're giving people more information than that they like that, but you can present that information if it's your business card, you can have a stack of business cards. Now, that's a whole other question of, should you be handing out business cards? I would argue no, and we'll get into that in a second. But the point is that you, uh, you I think, are going to benefit from having your spoons just be presented as simply as though they were in their kitchen without anything tied around them. And that's going to be the easiest for them to start holding the spoon, fondling the spoon, falling in love with the spoon, because all sales made in person are made, the starting point is somebody picking up the spoon, holding it in their hands, caressing it, not wanting to put it down. Anything you attach to the spoon is going to get in the way of that process. Because rightly or wrongly, it forms a subconscious barrier. Hey, Willa! Willa! Leave it! Come on! Forms a subconscious barrier to them forming that attach attachment with your work. 
So what I've found is have one or two or three price points. Like at Fall Festival, I think I have three price points. You know, there's stuff for 15, stuff for 20, and stuff for 25. And I just keep them in loose piles on the table. And there's a sign above each pile. And people can rummage. Um, but if all you're presenting is a, a handful of things at a smaller mark, then having one price point might be the way to go. Now, um, why you shouldn't hand out business cards. Business cards cost you money. Every time you order more business cards, it costs you 35 bucks or whatever. And you might think, oh, you know, if I get really cheap business cards, then they're only whatever, 20 cents a piece. I can just toss those out. The thing is, it's a steady drip of money out without you thinking about whether it's bringing you any value in return. You might rationalize to yourself that somebody taking a business card is going to get back to you and want to buy your work or is going to want to recommend your work to somebody else. But in the 15 years I've been doing this, that has never happened. Never. That I hear from somebody who said, oh, somebody gave me your information from a business card or whatever. They always heard about me, looked me up online. Heard about me, came to the market to find me. It was never, I got your information from a business card. And so business cards, unless you are, the only time I hand out business cards or if I feel like there is a personal connection with someone and I want to give them in my information so that they can have a way to be in touch for a specific reason, then I give out business cards. I also give out business cards with each order I send, or these days I'm sending out postcards for my book, but the cost of those business cards is built into the shipping and handling price that I then charge on top of the work. Otherwise, you know, my business cards cost about 60, 70 cents each, depending on how many I order at a time. That adds up real quick when I'm sending out, you know, 30 packages a week. So if I didn't charge that on top, that's $15 a week I'm not getting. That's an hour of my time that I'm just tossing down the toilet because of this idea that I need to give out my business cards for free. So I would highly recommend that you don't have a stack of business cards lying around for people to take your information. It might feel like an easy way to get publicity and get your name out. But the truth is most people put those business cards in their pocket and then they throw them in the trash can when they get home. And it does you absolutely no good. Psychologically, you think that it's doing you good, but it's not. There are much more uh, effective ways for you to get your story and your name and your reputation out there other than throwing money down the toilet of handing out business cards. So I always go to market with a, some business cards in my wallet so I can hand them out to people if the situation warrants, but I never leave them out for people to just take. Um, okay, let's talk about a couple dynamics of just uh, psychology of being at a market. First of all, um, it might make sense for you to have a tent in the sense that if you're in a lineup of a whole bunch of people with tents, uh, if you don't have a tent, you stand out. And that might not be a good thing. Depending on where the market is, you might need the shade that the tent provides or the protection from rain. So it's nice to have a tent, 
But I will say that the best sales I've ever had in a market was when I happened to be, I was a guest vendor, I got stuck under a tree, and I didn't put up my tent. It was a nice day, people were coming under the tree for the shade, right? Because people don't necessarily want to be under the tent with, with people selling stuff, because then they feel pressure to buy, but they'll come under a tree. So if you show up without a tent and can somehow finagle your way into a shady spot over in a corner, that might be the best thing for you. That all of a sudden you're sharing that shade with all the people who have bought their things and then want to go hang out with each other. Especially if you're doing something interesting that their kids can watch. That's, that's gold. So not having a tent can be a good thing. If you have a tent and you have a sign, hang the sign up behind yourself, up high. Do not put the sign propped up against your table down low. No one will see it. People don't see things below their belly button. Similarly, if you have, you know, a folding table, get some lengths of pipe that can slip over the legs of your folding table and that will raise the table up. I think that's a tractor. Dogs! Yo, come here. Willa, come here. Maisie, come here. Come here. Good dogs. Okay, we're good. Um, sorry about that. I heard a sound of a engine, but I think it's the guy who has horses who's mowing the fields. Um, so you want to raise your table up high because unless it's a very small table and you're like sitting on a bench or a low bench or on the ground even, people aren't going to engage with your work if it's down low. Most tables are set up to be used with people sitting at them like a dinner table. You need to get your table up so that the top of your table is at people's stomachs. And only then will they start to really see the work that you're presenting. Secondly, you need a tablecloth. That tablecloth needs, so either you need like a groovy wooden table like what I had the time that I was just sitting in the shade. What I had was my super low bench and I had this table, very small table. It was nicely painted, had a, you know, rough hewn top. It was great. It was, it was sort of looked classy, but didn't need a tablecloth. If you, all you have is a plastic folding table, you need to cover it with a tablecloth. And that tablecloth, I would argue, needs to not be patterned because your spoons will be lost against the pattern. You don't, it, it works to have patterns if you have a bunch of produce because the tubs and the produce present kind of a straight palette that stands out well against a patterned tablecloth. Spoons get lost against a patterned tablecloth. You also need your tablecloth to be long enough to completely go down to the ground. You need it to cover all the stuff that's hiding under your table and present a unified front. Otherwise, it just looks scrubby. And then, what else? What else do I think you need to have? Um, are there other things? Oh yeah. Um, when you are making change for people, keep a wad of change money in one of your pockets 
and put all of the large bills in your other pocket so that when you're pulling out the wad to make change for somebody, you're not also pulling out all the checks and the 20s and the whatever that you've gotten over the course of the day. That just looks bad. Um, so keep it classy. Keep change in one pocket and all the big stuff goes in the other pockets. And that way you're not fumbling out a whole wad of money to make change for somebody. I think that's it. You know, the big things that I would argue are presenting fewer things, keeping your prices simple and low, and, uh, and not letting your spoons appear to be too precious. Um, and then making it easy for people to engage with your work without uh, feeling pressure to buy from you. Those are the, really the big points. Um, and I hope that you find this useful. And good luck out there at your market.